service, we're going to commence our meeting, please, with singing hymn number five, Now Thank We All Our God. We'll stand as we worship. Bow, please, now before the Lord in prayer. Our loving God, we come into your holy presence this morning in our Savior's precious name. And Lord, with the theme, the sentiment of this hymn, we would come to say that we thank now our God with all our hands, our hearts, our voices, With everything that we have, Lord, we want to dedicate ourselves again on this Lord's Day morning. We will pray we'll not let a week go by. We'll dare to say, Lord, not let a day go by. We will not endeavor to devote ourselves fully and completely to your work and service. We are not able for this of ourselves, Father. We pray today and ask again for that necessary infilling of the Spirit of God, the help that comes from heaven. It's not of men. It's not of the will of the flesh. It's not of the intellect of the mind. But it is from the Spirit of God to equip us Lord, we are your servants. We're not going out on our own commands or charges. We want to go 
under the great commission that Christ has given us into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Empower us, Lord, to this end. Equip us to follow after this course and this pathway. Our Father, we do not know the day or the hour of our departure, and that has been pressed upon us again over this past week. And who knows, Lord, what this incoming week will bring. And so, Lord, we just give ourselves and our way and all that we have into Your hand and purpose, and pray we'll be guided unmistakably in the center of divine will, and knowing, Lord, that as Your servants we want to be committed to the cause of Christ And Lord, as soldiers in the kingdom of the Lord, teach us what it means to endure hardness, to realize that we are in a battle, that there will be conflict and there will be injury, but the devil and his kingdom are fierce enemies, Lord, of all that is right and good and true, and everything that you have set out as being righteous and holy, the devil sets against it all of his legions, and I pray that they will be defeated. I pray, dear God, that as we in the church of Christ have the promise of going forward and onward, not with timidity, but with boldness, And give to us all, I pray, the boldness of a lion, that we'll be spiritual men and women of God. We'll be men of prayer, women of prayer, and that we will do business at the throne of grace. We'll understand what it means to conquer and to defeat the forces of darkness. We don't wrestle, Lord, against temporal enemies per se. But dear Father, we have been told and commanded in the Word that we wrestle against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Therefore, O God, we pray for that necessary equipping that we don't have on ourselves. Help us to be strong in the Lord, in the power of Your might. And dear Father, I pray that You would bless every family in this fellowship and every son and daughter born to godly parents, that You would bring them to the light of truth and of submission to Christ. And we ask, Father, that where there are families divided, that You would bring healing and defeat the devil in all of his attempts to ruin families. Ah, Lord, we are thankful for what You have granted to us, what You've given us in the Word, the holy and precious promises. And Lord, we depend and rest upon those promises We long to see the answers to our prayers in the salvation of children unsaved, wayward, backslidden. 
We pray, Lord, that you would make us as families united, united in prayer, united with conviction, united with the desire to serve our great God and Savior. And we pray, Lord, for our young adults, that you would lead them to godly husbands and wives in their life. Keep them away from an unequal yoke. Lord, bless them. Bless us all with that joy and peace in believing and in serving the Master. Father, today we acknowledge the great blessing that our mothers have been to us in our lives. We are thankful for that heritage, thankful for that blessing. And, oh God, we pray that you would bless richly every mother and grandmother here today, those who are great-grandmothers who have been able to see their children's children and beyond. Lord, encourage their hearts, strengthen them, and I pray that as they continue in their faithful praying, they will see and know the answers to those prayers in their lives. So, Father, Receive our thanks today. Remember those who are sick and grieving. We pray for Mrs. Zweer today and her family. We ask, Lord, you would bless our brother Steve Kelly in hospital. Touch him. Remember Mrs. Caudry today. We pray for your hand of healing upon this faithful woman of God and many others, Lord, who we pray for on a regular basis. Father, we say it's time to answer, Lord, or is it not time? Hear our prayers today. Bless us as we continue in our worship. We ask all of these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Psalm 117. Please let's stand again as we sing.
rest on that one. I hope you were, but I think on this first verse, I did not get the page open quite in time. But it was a blessing to hear the congregation singing the praises of our great God and King. Let's do this first verse again. I do not know why you can be seated, why we have not sung this psalm more often. Psalm 117 is a blessed one for us, and it helps us to praise God with our hearts and our souls. We're turning, please, to Proverbs 31 for our congregational reading this morning. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands Hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she receiveth forth her hands, reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen, selleth it, delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. 
She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. May God bless His Word to your heart today. We pray for the Lord's name. I want to welcome you today to our morning worship service, and especially we give to you mothers and grandmothers and our great-grandmothers a special word of welcome this morning. We pray that God would encourage you in your heart, that you would know His blessing on your life, and you would know specifically and specially the answers to your prayers for your families and for your children's children, that you'll be encouraged today in the Lord. Please remember Mrs. Caudry in hospital at this time, and please also remember our brother Steve Kelly in the hospital. I was able to visit Steve yesterday in Port Perry Hospital, and uh, he is awaiting a procedure for this coming Tuesday, uh, but he is not well. And I know our brother would greatly appreciate your prayers. I do remember him before the Lord. On Friday, we had a funeral here in the church for Mr. Danko Zwier. In the congregation, you will not know him, most of you anyways, apart from the connection from Mrs. Zwier, who taught for us in our school for many, many years, a grade two teacher, and uh, she retired just a year ago or so, and uh, we were very happy to open up the church uh, for that funeral service, and we highly respect Mrs. Weir, and it was a service on Friday that we trust would, was glorifying to the Lord in the testimonies that went out, and I pray that the Lord would comfort Mrs. Weir and her family, her son Stephen, her daughter Rachel, and uh, their family at this time. Please remember the believers and the missionaries in the Ukraine and believers in other countries that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, that the Lord would bless them and encourage them. Remember also to pray for sermon audio and the needs that they have. And also, I want to say a word of thanks for those Sunday school teachers and the prospective ones who came on Friday night for our training seminar. We know that um, some were not able to come. Uh, Sister Serene has been asking, was asking if we could record that meeting on Friday night, not intending to do that, 
we did that, and Serene will be able to get a copy of that recording, uh, if you like. It was not done in a, a necessarily a professional way with any editing, but if you're interested in hearing the message, then you're welcome to see Brother Jonathan McAnally, and he will be able to get you a copy of that and forward it to you. Please remember today at 5.50, our time of prayer before the evening service at 6.30. And then remember, in this incoming week, our presbytery and prayer time in Greenville, South Carolina, running from Monday evening until Friday. And um, Brother Dr. McCollum will be taking the prayer meeting this Wednesday. And the next uh, Lord's Day, Reverend Ian Golliher will be bringing the word here in the church I do remember our brother, please, in prayer. And then an advance announcement regarding our annual general meeting on May the 18th. And we will also be having a deacon's election at that time. On the bulletin board out in the foyer, you will see a posting of those who are members of our congregation. And just to be a little clarification, last Lord's Day morning, we had at our communion service the welcoming in of four new members. Those names are not on that list for a very specific reason, and that is that once an election has been indicated in a congregation, any who join after that or before the election, they are not eligible to vote at that election, but they will be on the next uh, listing of membership So please just note that. Also, I want to indicate to you the men who are standing for the election of deacons. And what I'll do first of all, I'll go through the names of the men who are currently uh, deacons in the church. And they are, in alphabetical order, uh, Dan Browett and Maher Lewis, uh, Joachim Rodriguez, Ed Santos, and Daniel Vautour. And these men are currently serving as deacons, and the one who is retiring from that position now is our brother Kingsley Jew, has uh, notified us that he is retiring from that. So we are going to have an election for seven deacons, and there are three men who have allowed their names to stand for this election, and they have been cleared through the session with the proper uh, interview and questions that they have answered. And these three men, in the alphabetical order, are Andre Lyons, Peter Powell, and Daniel Simon. Now, There are other men, many others were nominated by the congregation, and they were all contacted. I contacted them, and uh, for one reason or another, uh, they have withdrawn their names, or they are not standing for election at this time. It doesn't mean they cannot stand in a future time, but these three men who I've announced to you, the new ones, they will be standing. So, what this means is that If you are a member of the church and at the annual general meeting on the 18th of May, you will have an opportunity to vote for the deacons for the next three-year period 
and we will be looking to elect seven men. If you are not able to attend that meeting on May the 18th, but you are a member of the church, you're able to see Mr. James Fraser, who's the clerk of our session, and he will make arrangements to get a ballot to you and tell you what you must do in order to return that to him for the calculation and the counting on May the 18th. And if you have any other questions, feel free to speak to me or to Brother Fraser, and uh, he'll be able to answer, we'll be able to answer any of those queries, questions that you have. Please remember also on May the 22nd, a Lord's Day afternoon, we are going to be having our next National Day of Prayer for our Canadian churches, and I would encourage you to keep that in your calendar and be in prayer for that at this time. We'll sing again to the Lord's praise, and as I remind you that the offerings and the tithes for the work of God here, it is a part of the worship of God's people, and it's a part of the opportunities that you have. You're a member of this church. You're a regular attender, and you are worshiping the Lord by submitting your tithes to this ministry. Well, we encourage you in your faithful tithes and giving, and pray that the Lord would bless you uh, to that end. We're going to sing number 264, remaining seated, while we praise God.
I'd like you to turn, please, now in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 19. The way of the slothful man is as an hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. We'll bow, please, for prayer. Father, hear now our prayer in this juncture of our service to settle our hearts, to give us understanding and clarity in the Word. And I pray, Father, that we will have open hearts to hear, that You will bless us, give us thinking that is clear, hearts that are open. And I pray for the help of the Spirit of God to give this word today. Bless all the mums here. Bless the mums that perhaps have very heavy hearts. I pray that their eyes will be turned afresh unto the Lord and they will be strengthened in their faith, strengthened in their resolve, strengthened in the confidence that comes only from being a restful mum on the Word and the promise of the Scripture. Hear us now, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to turn your attention, please, to verse number 20 in Proverbs 15. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. The title of the word I bring you today is simply this. A despised mother. A despised mother. So, a wise son. A wise son is something that brings delight and joy, and it makes the heart 
of a father, of a dad, glad, happy. But a foolish man will despise his mother. The contrast that we are given here in verse 20 is striking. For there is nothing greater, as we are told in the New Testament by the Apostle John, there is nothing greater than to hear that our children walk in truth. The book of Proverbs, you know, is all about contrasts. It shows the contrast between the rich and the poor, between the weak and the strong, the healthy and the sick, the ignorant and the educated. But the central comparison, it has to be summed up in the difference there is between a wise man and a foolish man. For in the makeup of humanity, these extremes in the natural world, they ultimately point to the spiritual realm. That's what it's all about. I mean, ultimately, a foolish man or a wise man in the world's estimations, it doesn't mount up to much unless you are going to weigh that in the light of the revelation of God's Word. Because everything devolves down to that spiritually. If you're a fool spiritually, you are an ultimate fool. If you are a wise man spiritually, you are ultimately a wise man in the eyes of God. And that's all that matters. If a person is wise toward God, they will see themselves for who they really are. And how is that? A person will see themselves as a sinner, as one who is wicked in their heart, as one who deserves wrath and judgment and an everlasting punishment in hell. That's how a person who is wise toward God will see themselves. They will see they have need of a Savior. And ultimately, they have come to receive the One who is our great Lord and Savior and Redeemer. And they have confessed their sin and they have called upon Christ and they know Him as their own. And they are alive in Him. You see, the wise man has built upon a foundation not just for time but for all eternity. And in fact, our Lord Jesus gave the great example in Matthew 6, Matthew 7, Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount. He culminated that with these, this illustration and parable about the wise man who built his house where? Upon the rock, not upon the sand. And the parallel and the illustration is so clear that when the storm of judgment comes to beat upon the walls of the house built on sand, it's going to be eroded. It's going to collapse. But the house that's built upon the rock of Christ, the foundation that cannot be destroyed, 
For other foundation can no man lay, but that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. I ask you today, friend, are you, are you built on that foundation? Are you on the rock? If not, quite frankly, according to God's Word, you're a fool. And your foolishness will one day be completely exposed as you stand before the judgment seat of God. A person described in the Bible as a foolish person will show that in their thinking. They will show it in their behavior. In virtually every aspect of their lives, they will despise the idea of God and of right behavior. They will despise the idea of common sense and wise counsel. And every virtue, note this, every virtue that is set out in the Scripture as being right, true, good, wholesome, will all be despised by the foolish person, for they will replace that with disdain, disgust, concepts not worthy of their notice. Why? Because they know better. They're, they're people of the world. They've lived. They're smart. They know it. Don't tell me about right and wrong by the Bible, they say. We know better. We've lived life. We've experienced what it is to be in the world. We know these things. And so, the idea to promote God or the expectation that a person has to submit to the Lord is ultimately seen as being not important. The foolish child rejects the God of heaven. They reject what they have been taught by their mother. And the conclusion of all this, it comes right down to what we have in our text. It comes down to the fact that they will despise their mothers. For the faithful and godly mother represents all that they despise because they know better. This is a very heavy trial for parents. Extremely heavy. But it, weigh, it, may, it may weigh heavier upon a mom. Why? Because a mom has carried that little one in her womb. Because a mom has gone through the pain of childbearing. Because a mom has spent many sleepless nights feeding and attending to that infant. And she has given all her care to that one and has watched them grow up from being a little child in her arms. That she has watched and cared for from their childhood days, 
And when they have stumbled and fallen and bruised their knee or scraped their elbow, it has been mum who has been one they have run to for aid and for repair. And the mum is the one who has been the washer of the clothes, the maker of the food for the most part. She has been the one who has been the attendant to that little one. And all through the stages of childhood, right up to being an adult. Charles Bridges, an English preacher and commentator of the 1800s, in his commentary on the book of Proverbs, he wrote this, Do not the brightest joys and the bitterest sorrows in this world of tears flow from parents' hearts. He goes on to write that what if folly, instead of gladdening, the foolish son despise a mother, her whose tender love and yearning faithfulness are a faint picture of the heart of God. Yes, the heart of God, the heart of love, is that not mirrored in the loving heart of a mother? The searching question comes, doesn't it? How could this happen? I mean, how could a son born from his mother's womb, taken care of in all the aspects of life, the heart of that mother poured into that son. How is it possible that such a son could come to a point in manhood when he despises that mother? It appears the question is almost too painful to ask. And the pain increases because, yeah, that son has now become a man in some respect anyway. And it appears that all the sins of the youth have now hardened, hardened into the deep rooted sins of life, and God has been rejected. How could this happen? I want to look today at some of the reasons why a foolish son would despise a mother. And I want through this, mums, to encourage your hearts not to despair, but to keep on the course and hold uh, tightly onto God and to grip firmly the promises that you have been given by the Spirit of God for your children. And remember this that God has promised in due season we shall reap, you shall reap 
if you faint not. The Lord knows your prayers. He hears them. He knows your heart. A foolish man will despise his mother because of her biblical convictions. A godly woman's influence is based upon biblical convictions. It is a powerful force in the life of her children, and it will be a powerful force either to lead her children to the Lord, but it will be a powerful force and a witness against that rebel in the day of judgment. And ultimately, mums, you must understand this, that God has a purpose in these matters. You must understand this, that God brings to pass His Word. An author unknown put it this way, the place of mother in the home cannot be too highly estimated. Her influence for good is stronger than the laws of the land. It is more potent than the preaching of great preachers. Next to God, the mother's power for good is the strongest known on earth. When her influence is for truth, for virtue, when she is guided by divine wisdom, when a power for Christ will be her life, her influence will reach on through time into eternity. And this conviction that she has to direct her children in the ways of God, they are born out of, not theory, but they are born out of practice. They are born out of a real experience of the knowledge of Christ in her own heart as her personal Savior. She has been impacted by the power of God in salvation herself. And she wants that all her children would follow her in those same convictions. Not because they are just her convictions or her rules. It's because they, they have come from the God who has touched and saved her heart, her soul, her life. And therefore, she wants to convey those revealed things to the children of her womb. And she wants them to know the right way of God. She wants them to avoid the wrong way and the pitfalls and those that will lead to disaster. She knows the way of disaster and she's warning her children away from that because her convictions in the Scripture are strong. And dear mother, today the problem that faces you is that you say in your mind, it has not worked. It has failed in my life. That's what you're saying now, some. 
It seems that all of your investment and all your prayers, they've failed. And perhaps you're tempted just now to question God and maybe even give up on praying. Well, that's exactly where the devil wants you to be. That's exactly what he wants you to do, or could we say, not to do. Remember the saying that the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his, her knees? It's a true thing. And therefore, the Lord tells us not to give up. Don't, to, don't throw in the towel. Don't surrender. Each time that temptation to quit comes into your heart, turn your eyes upon Jesus again. Turn your eyes upon the cross. Turn your eyes upon the revealed Word of God and the promises that He has given, and let that be your anchor. Let that be your strong foundation, because this truth is known by you in your heart. God cannot lie. And He has given His Word and His promise, and you rest upon that promise, mom. You rest upon your convictions, and don't surrender them, don't give them up, and don't turn from them, not for a moment. But you press on with the Lord. But another reason that a foolish son will despise his mother is because of her wise counsel. The woman of Proverbs 31 is known as a virtuous woman. And this virtue is demonstrated in the descriptions given in that chapter. Much of it Did you notice when we read, much of it has to do with industry. She was a hard-working woman, a tireless worker who takes care of her family. And she is known as a woman that feareth the Lord. That's the concluding statement of the chapter. She is one who fears the Lord, and that above many for sure. Verse 25 states that strength and honor are her clothing, her clothing, that which she is regaled with, that which she puts upon her. Oh, yes, the the purple and the silk and the other things that might be nice to beautify, those are special and those are good things. But the thing that really makes her stand out in her attire is not the outward clothing. Those things are temporal. But it is strength of heart and spirit. It is the honor of God that is upon this virtuous woman. And this is the sum and total of her testimony of what she is. It really, it is the Thing that speaks out the wise counsel and life. Because we know, don't we, that actions 
will speak louder than our words. Mom, your, un, your unconscious actions of your faithful, godly spirit, they carry much weight. They carry much influence. It goes far beyond your spoken word. It is not so much what people say as what they do that reveals the heart. In fact, the Lord said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it comes from within. And here, it is in the quiet moments, even when a foolish man will be brought to reflect upon the influences of childhood. The example of a mother's wise counsel, the example of her strength and honor before God, and the Holy Spirit is able to take those simplest of memories and use them to bring conviction of sin and folly to where they are right now in their life. And it may be the very anchor point that keeps someone, someone from falling. But there is one verse in Proverbs 31. It's verse 26 that spotlights the speaking of this virtuous woman. I think this is not something to be overlooked. In all that chapter... The whole focal point is upon action. It's upon the silent witness of the mum. And only one verse has to do with speaking. And it says this, that she opens her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law of kindness. Now, I must admit to you, I was rebuked as I was studying this because I did not even know this phrase was in the Bible, the law of kindness. Uh, it's almost, you'd almost think this was the 11th commandment. It would do well to be fitted in there. A law of kindness? The New Testament certainly picks up this theme when it talks about us of expressing and communicating the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness. And the law of kindness, it's said to be in the tongue of the virtuous woman, the mother. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Now, a mouth of wisdom and a tongue of kindness this is the wise counsel of the mother to her children. Now, Proverbs 9 and verse 13 gives us the opposite view of this. Proverbs 9.13 says, A foolish woman is clamorous. By the way, the foolish woman is not glamorous but it's said that she is clamorous. And the word means to murmur, 
to growl, to roar, to cry aloud, or to rage. This is not the quality of a virtuous woman. Now, sometimes mums can go on a bit. Some heads are nodding. Maybe you've had some experience there. Sometimes mums, maybe they can go on a bit. They may not have strong muscles, but they can have a strong tongue. That's maybe a a true thing. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. But the hard thing is that even, even those godly actions and all of them can be rejected and despised by foolish children. And yet, mums, what do you do? You continue to sow those seeds by faith. You can sit, continue to be that living example and to show that wise counsel and trusting that in due time God will bring a great harvest, a great harvest of joy. Yes, biblical convictions that drive the woman of virtue and the wise counsel that she gives to her family, it is a foolish son who will reject those foolish child. The third one that I leave with you today is faithful correction. Faithful correction. I can remember my dad telling me a story that was quite amusing. Whenever he had stepped out of line, he did something that was, well, his mother thought needed to be corrected. Sometimes it was, wait until your father gets home. Other times it was this, go out to the backyard and get me a stick and bring the stick in. So my dad said that he kind of tried to learn to navigate this. Instead of bringing back a big stick, he he would bring back a little stick. And he thought this was going to be the answer to the problem because the little stick was going to be used to, well, apply correction. You know how that works. Of course, this kind of thing you can hardly talk about today, right? This corporal punishment idea. Oh, people are, oh, you can't do that. If you you bring corporal punishment to a child, you'll destroy them forever. Nonsense. It's rubbish. In fact, you listen to the people who have grown older, who have been on the receiving end of good parental correction, a good slap once in a while, a good use of the stick in the right location with the right purpose, and they're not damaged for life. They are corrected for life. That's how it works. And so let every liberal hear this today who is opposed to child and parental correction of their children. It's important. We, of course, distance ourselves from abuse, which is a totally different thing. And there are those circumstances, no doubt, where people have injured and done damage to children. Anyways, when my dad brought back the little stick that he thought was going to be the answer to the problem, he found out that he got twice as many whacks as he would have if he had brought back the bigger stick, first of all. So the lesson was there of faithful correction. Moms, you have to do that. 
At times, I know it's the, ultimately the father's responsibility in the home of the discipline of the children. And you might look upon it as, in one case, there is provincial court, and the other case, there is federal court. And uh, provincial court is the mum. And if it gets to some issue that's going beyond that, well, you're going to have another issue to deal with. However, fathers, a word to you, to us, don't leave correction to your wives, to the mothers. Don't just leave it, oh, let them do it. They can take care of that. That's a house matter. No, it's a father's responsibility ultimately to see that children respect their mums. But the mums have this duty as well. And the faithful correction that mums have given to their children, it is in no way because they despise or hate their children. It's exactly the opposite, because of their love for the children. And because of that love, mums must bring that correction. And how it takes place, sometimes it's going to be, go to your room. Sometimes it's going to be, time out for whatever time that is, till you settle down and get things in order and change your attitude. Other times it might be the board of education to the seat of learning. Other times it will be, well, in due order. But a foolish son will despise that. But not a wise child, not one who ultimately loves the Lord, there will be seen as good reason for this in life and in heart. The fourth thing I leave with you, a reason that a mother would be despised would be her loving appeals. Her loving appeals. Mr. Spurgeon wrote, and it's in the bulletin that we have online today. He said, I am sure that in my early youth no teaching ever made such an impression upon my mind as the instruction of my mother. Never can I conceive that to any child there can be one who will have such influence over the young heart as the mother who is so tenderly cared for her offspring. A man with a soul so dead as not to be moved by the sacred name of mother is creation's blot. Strong words. Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. The loving appeals that come from a mom. The earnest longings expressed to her children of what is right and what is wrong. And why they are to flee the evil of the course in the day. And why they are to seek out the Lord and call out to Him for the need that they have themselves. And those appeals as they come, perhaps with frequency, and why should they not? But to the unwise and the foolish, they will be as in one ear and out the other. 
They will be as, I couldn't care less what you say. They will be, I've heard it all before, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how it will be received. And the end of that person and the rejection of that, it will be to their own disaster. Ah, mums, don't give up on that loving encouragement and counsels and the appeals that you make to your children because as you express your hearts to them, and and don't forget to do that, express your hearts to your children because as you do that to them and for them, they will remember. I have a fifth one for you and it is the mum's dauntless courage, mum's courageous attempts to defend their children. It was on Mother's Day. The year was 2018. It was in Colorado. A five-year-old girl had wandered outside around 2.30 in the morning. She thought she heard her dog that had got outside. And so what does a five-year-old child know? They went outside on their own. It appears that the little girl surprised a bear which attacked the child. The mother heard the commotion, and so she bolted out of her bed and ran outside and ran after the bear, screaming and shouting. And the bear, shocked by the intensity of what was coming after it, dropped the child and ran off. And the mother scooped up the child and brought it back home. And the child was taken to the hospital with very minor injuries, thankfully. Well, that gives you an example. There are many, many more of them we could cite. In fact, some of you have perhaps heard of, of, a, of a woman whose child has been run over by a car or is pinned under a vehicle. And such is the strength given unnaturally that the woman is able to lift the car in order to rescue her child. Unheard of types of strength. So the protective instinct in a mother, it is fierce. I I know, I know about that. Whether among animals or not, if you've ever come between even a goose and her little ones, the goose will go for you. It It will not hesitate. And it gets even much more fierce if you come between a bear and her cubs. You, or you will not be in good form. Oftentimes, this defensiveness of a mother, it can be seen as intrusive in the life of the child, right? Children think, oh, mom, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. And so on it goes. Oh, mom, I can take care of myself. I'm big enough. I don't have to worry about that anymore. And you don't have to worry either. There's no point saying that, by the way, young person to a mother. Uh, They will worry. They will be concerned because that abides no matter how old the person is, whether from infancy to being adulthood. But here, here is another example of a foolish man who disdains his mother's restraint. And the protection in childhood, it continues to be ignored right into older years. We know that this instinct of protection is in all mothers. 
but in a God-fearing mother, one who fears the Lord more, the actions of her children not to be involved in that, it's, it's like tempting the Lord. In fact, sometimes a mother's response to the safety and well-being of her children, what they're involved in, she'll be concerned that maybe you've gone too far. Maybe you'll tempt the Lord. Maybe something will happen to you. And her concerns are multiplied. Of course, at the root of this courage, at the root of all this, it's a deep maternal love. And you know, men, we, we really cannot enter into this to that degree at all because this is experienced by those who are, well, those who are mums. And for this, we will forever praise God that mums had this love for us as we were growing up and the heritage that we must not forget. And I want to close with this final one about the unceasing prayer. The power of a godly mother's prayer cannot be calculated. How many stray sons and daughters have been kept from disaster after disaster by the unceasing intercession of mums crying out unto God for deliverance and for restoration. Again, Mr. Spurgeon says, Certainly, I have not the power of speech with which to set forth my valuation of the choice blessing which the Lord bestowed on me in making me the son of one who prayed for me and prayed for me. The great Spurgeon had a praying mother. She lay hold upon God for him. Spurgeon was not saved, you know, until he was around 18, 20 years of age. So he had come through his infancy, his youth, his teenage years, and he was not a follower of the Lord. But his mother prayed. A mom recently said to me, very recently, as she was burdened for the restoration of her son, brought up in Scripture, brought up in a God-fearing home, but was very far away from God. She said to me this, she said, maybe it will be after my death that my prayers will be answered. And that could be the case, friend, for you. This has been the experience of many faithful mums. You know, I think of Hannah and Samuel in the Bible. Hannah, she prayed for her son. She prayed to have a son, first of all. The Lord answered her prayer. But, of course, we know that Hannah's prayers did not stop there for her son. She prayed on and prayed on. And would she not have prayed even more when she came to that point in her life when she gave Samuel to the temple, to the house of God, to the work of the Lord? Would her prayers not have been multiplied more so then? Of course they would. She was a faithful, praying mother. And the answer of those prayers, what did God give to the church through Samuel, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament time?
so opposite of a foolish man. You know the sad reality in this text? Did you notice it? Have you noticed it yet? That this is a man that's being spoken of here and not just a son. Childhood years have gone. Teenage years have passed. This person has now become well on their own life and course. And in their adulthood now, a man still recognized as a fool because they have rejected the godly influence of a woman of faith and prayer. Ah, but friends, don't despair. Mums, do not give up. Because the unceasing prayer of a woman of God is one that means and says, God is not finished yet. And my God will yet hear my prayer, for God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think. And this is our hope. Let this be your encouragement today. Press on. Pray on. Never give up. And lay hold upon the horns of the altar that God will answer your prayers. Virtuous mums, virtuous women, your prayers will only be seen in eternity, the full value and the full weight of them. May the Lord encourage and build you up today, and may the Lord answer those many and long prayers for all of your children. We'll bow before the Lord, please. Father, today some hearts very heavy. Some mums' hearts are near broken, Lord, and you know. And I pray that you would lift them up and encourage them and give them speedy answers to their prayers. Lord, I ask that they would not have to wait until after death but they would see and realize those answers in their own lifetime. And so, Lord, encourage us. If there is someone here, Father, still without Christ, speak to their heart. Someone listening online, Lord, arrest them, I pray, and bring them back to Jesus. Hear us now. Part us in your fear with your mighty blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.